So uh, basically, I wanted to talk about some of the... By the way, if you've got any questions, ladies and gents, right, I want you to just make some notes now and we can, we can tackle them at the end, basically, right? So trying to do this double whammy thing, you know, with a podcast and an Instagram Live is hard. All right. So let's get stuck in, my friend. So basically, what I wanted to talk about today, right, is I wanted to get straight into uh, some of the biggest myths that, quite frankly, piss me off, ladies and gents within the fitness industry, right? And I'm going to have a little bit of a rant today, right? Um, but it's going to be a constructive rant. So what's up, Marshy, my man? What's up? What's up? Marshy is uh, one of my new clients, Ryan Marsh. Shout out, my man. So yeah, so podcast is underway and the live is underway, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break down like seven of my most irritating uh, myths within the fitness industry that really grind my gears, all right? They really grind my effing gears. I'm not going to lie, right? Now, uh, one of them is the first one. Basically, you know, people say carbs are making me fat. Or in fact, in fact, I'm going to call Janini out on this, right? My girlfriend, she's very smart, very ahead of the game, right? When it comes to fitness, she's advanced. She is in fantastic shape. She's basically had a similar journey to me in terms of overcoming like a poor relationship with food, like I mentioned last time. And now she's, at a, she's in fantastic shape physically, mentally, emotionally, everything, right? Um, but even she said the other day, you know, I'm worried if I eat too much uh, fat from meat because she's eating good quality uh, beef and stuff like that and eggs. She's like, is that going to make me gain weight? So even she was kind of like uh, not aware of this. But the bottom line is carbs are not making you fat, my friend. Carbs are not making you gain weight, okay? Too much fat is not making you, making you gain weight, right? It's eating foods that are not designed to be moderated, right? You're trying to eat highly processed foods, right, in moderation. Highly processed foods are basically that combination of carbs and fats, anything that comes out of a packet. I could go down the list of what these are. You're trying to eat foods which are not designed to be moderated. They're designed to make you eat the fuck out of them. And you're trying to moderate them, right? And you wonder why you're gaining body fat. It's not too much carbs. It's not too much fat. If you eat like good quality single ingredient foods, right? So if you eat potatoes, bananas, berries, those type of carbs, right? Single ingredient, fats, avocado, olive oil, the fats you get from eggs, beef, those kind of things. You are, they're, they're going to they're gonna keep you satiated because they're designed to actually keep you satiated. They're natural foods. But when you're eating those processed foods, ultimately, you're going to overeat. And that's going to make you gain fat, right? Eating those foods. Eating foods which are not designed to be moderated. So don't attempt to eat those because I used to try this and I used to overeat all the time back in the day. Eating Ben and Jerry's and stuff, right? On the couch, watching TV. Good luck trying to eat those foods in moderation. You're going to be fighting a losing battle, right? And you are going to constantly be like, oh, you know, I want to lose weight. I want to drop some of this fat but you can't shift it, right? So when I say good quality foods, I mean foods which are high in protein, uh, fiber, and minerals, basically, right? So fiber is a bit of a, mm, that's another conversation. The studies are a bit on this, but basically high protein, right? And single ingredient foods, high protein, beef, chicken, fish, eggs, single ingredient foods, right? So it's not carbs that's making you fat. It's not uh, fat which is making you fat. It's eating foods, which are highly processed and designed to make you eat the fuck out of them, right? In fact, those foods are designed to make, a study was done, they make you overeat by 500 calories a day, right? Eating foods which come out of a packet, which you've got a perfect combination of carbs and fats, right? With zero minerals, virtually no protein and no fiber, okay? So that's what's making you gain fat, my friend, right? It's not carbs and it's not fats alone. Hope that helped, right? Overeating calories ultimately is what's making you gain weight. And those foods which are designed to make you overeat are going to make you gain weight. The second one, which really grinds my gears, ladies and gents, right? 
the second fitness myth. If you've just joined now, I'm basically talking about the seven myths which grind my gears. <laughs> I love that, grind my gears. So basically, the second one is cardio is uh, the best type of exercise for fat loss. Absolute bullshit. I'm going to be straight here. Uh, cardio pretty much sucks for fat loss, right? I'm just going to say it how it is. When it comes to sustainable fat loss, okay, and actually losing fat and keeping it off. Now, some people might get triggered with this, right? If you're doing cardio for fitness or you do it for running, for mental health, all those things, fantastic. Keep doing it, right? Who am I to tell you what to do? I'm just a fitness guy, all right? But basically, when people tell me they want to improve the way their body looks and they want to get into the shape of their life, then they're like, yeah, you know, I'm just doing all this cardio. The reality is, you know, that's not going to be the solution, right? So give me two seconds, right? Bear with me. Back, I'm back in the house. So yeah, ultimately, that's bullshit. Cardio sucks for fat loss. If you're doing it for fitness and for getting in shape, fantastic. Uh, keep doing it. I'm not getting in shape. So if you're doing it for fitness, uh, you enjoy it. You know, you're doing it for an event, like a car, like you've got some sort of endurance event coming up then keep doing it, my friend, right? But ultimately, to improve the way your body looks and to lose fat and keep it off, cardio pretty much sucks for fat loss, right? And let me tell you why. Because I don't just throw shit out there, right, without anything to back it up. So I mentioned this before, right? But if you compare weight training, for example, right? Weight training, when you go to the gym, my friend, right, and you lift weights for, say, 45 minutes an hour, your metabolism is elevated for, well, up to two to three days afterwards, basically, right? Now, really, though, I mean, the it's kind of like, it depends, but generally, let's just say 10 to 12 hours after you've lifted weights, your metabolism is supercharged, right? So like I've said before, that means you're burning more calories then for around about, say, 50% of your day. Are you with me, yeah? 10 to 12 hours after, metabolism elevated, that's about half your day, you, your body's burning more calories, right? With cardio, you might go to the gym and go on the treadmill. I mentioned this last time, go on the treadmill, you know, 5% of your day, you're burning calories. Let's just say you go to the gym for an hour, you go on the treadmill, whatever. 5% of your day, you're burning uh, calories, right? But then there's no afterburn after, like lifting weights. You get an afterburn, right? It's called exercise post-oxygen consumption or whatever, right? Anyway, long story short, you're burning more calories after lifting weights. Cardio, you're not. But more importantly as well, when it comes to sustainable fat loss, cardio, if you're doing lots of cardio, for example, believe it or not, cardio actually slows your metabolism down. So when you're doing cardio, you're sending a signal, right, to break down tissue, right? You're sending a signal to pare down tissue. When you're doing resistance training, weight training, right? You're sending a signal, to, uh, which is pro-tissue, right? It's anabolic. If you do too much cardio, it's catabolic. It tells your body to break down tissue, which essentially means your metabolic rate and your metabolism is going to slow down instead of speeding up, right? So this is why, you know, if you look at anyone in incredible shape, I'm not mentioning any names here, <laughs> sorry. But if you look at anyone in incredible shape, right, aesthetically, the reality is we all know, let's just cut the bullshit, people who are shredded, who are in insane shape that people look up to, they lift weights regular and they've probably been doing that for a number of years, yeah? And their diet is probably pretty dialed, okay? They're not doing, they're not running marathons, right? If you, if you put like a sprinter, for example, like a 100 meter sprinter next to a long distance runner, who's got the more kind of admirable physique, right? I mean, that's taking nothing away from runners, by the way. Like I used to do running and stuff like that. Fantastic, you know, if you do it and it works for you, fans, I'm just saying, I get asked this question a lot and people say to me, you know, cardio, cardio, cardio for fat loss. Reality is for sustainable fat loss, lifting weights is going to be the answer. Cardio is not going to be the right move. I'm not demonizing cardio. In fact, I mentioned this before, but cardio can be good for weight training. If you do a small amount and you do like hit cardio, for example, more intense cardio, 
that can actually, or just even if it's normal cardio, just going on the bike, whatever you're doing, right? That can actually benefit your weight training. Research shows this, that you'll actually get more out of your training, right? Because you will be fitter because you're improving your cardio respiratory system and, and basically your lung capacity when you do cardio. And that carries over into weight training. Therefore, it's going to make you stronger and get more out of your weight training sessions, right? So yeah, all in all, right? For a long-term approach of sustainable fat loss and getting into the shape of your life, I'm just going to say it how it is. Cardio sucks for fat loss. I'm not demonizing cardio for other reasons. When we're talking about this top topic, resistance training, eating high protein, getting good sleep, doing movement, that's the big rocks, all right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to basically just jump on and answer some questions as we go. I think this is going to be beneficial for my podcast audience. Uh, Bobby, what's going on, Bobby? Didn't know you were in here, my friend. Happy days. Um, so what about working? Do you put that in the cardio category? Category. Fantastic question. I wouldn't put that in as uh, cardio. What I would say is that's just movement, right? So ultimately movement is medicine for mental and emotional health, right? But when it comes to your walking, it's really low intensity. It's something we humans have evolved to do, right? And I wouldn't class that as cardio. Uh, to answer your question, Bobby, I would just class that as movement. But ultimately, if you go from, let's just say, I have some clients who join up and I'm like, right, what, how, what can we do that's sustainable, right? What can we do that's sustainable that you can do that you can sustain forever? Let's have a look how many steps you're doing. You're doing 5,000 steps, right? It depends on the person, but we're going to try and increase that by about 2,000 steps a day. You're going to do an extra 20 minutes of walk in a day, right? And just by doing that, they're burning probably over, it depends on the person, the weight and stuff. Let's say over 1,000 calories, sometimes thousands of calories more over the space of a week. You know what I mean? So if you add that compound effect of just more movement, it works, it works wonders. So no, I wouldn't categorize walking as cardio at all. Definitely not. So cardio, I would, I would say cardio is going to be, um, you know, if you went to the gym and yeah, okay. If you went, I, I was comparing the walking on the treadmill to doing weights in the gym when I was saying, you know, go to the gym for an hour. I was just trying to give you a, a comparison in terms of metabolism and stuff like that. But no, I wouldn't class walking as cardio. But ultimately, if you're going to choose, like Bobby, you're at a high level, right? So you don't need to listen to this really. But for anyone else, if you're going to choose, right, am I going to go to the gym and do an hour of cardio? I've got, I've got 45 minutes spare. Am I going to go to the gym and go on the cross trainer for 45? Or I'm going to go and do a purposeful weight training session? Which one do you think is going to be the best based on what I said? Hands down resistance training. You're going to burn more calories at the time, by the way, doing the cardio, probably. Yeah. But the weight training, the afterburn's higher, and it's all the other effects they're still trying to figure out with metabolism. It's very complex. Long story short, cardio sucks for fat loss long term. I'm just going to say how it is. The third one then is, uh, hey, ladies, help me out with this one, right? Because I get this a lot with females, right? Uh, lifting weights is going to make me bulky. Man, if I had a dollar, seriously, I, I, I'm genuine now. I'd be, oh, okay, it'd be at least six figures anyway. It'd be over 100,000, right? <laughs> if, I, if I had a dollar, for everyone that's, every woman that said to me, oh, you know, lifting weights is going to make me bulky. I'm worried that I'm going to get big. And even what some women have said is, um, this is an interesting one. Listen to this, right? Oh, I lifted weights before, and what happened was I got really bulky. And the reality is, and I've had to call people out on this, the reality is you were overeating calories, right? You were actually gaining fat, right? If you just gain muscle and you're not gaining a bunch of body fat, which is what most people do, they might start lifting weights, but they haven't tidied up their diet. So they're eating not the best. And going back to what I was saying, probably eating too much processed foods, overeating calories, whatever, not having enough protein. And then they might gain a little bit of muscle, but they gain predominantly fat. And then they go, oh, you know, lifting weights made me bulky. Fat spreads out on the body, basically, right? Fat is, if you had like a, 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 pound, of, a pound of muscle, right? And then a pound of fat on this table in front of me, 
this is just like random, but let's just say the fat is probably going to be the size of my hand, right? A, a pound of fat. Muscle is going to be like this, real dense, a real small, dense ball, for example, right? This is terrible. I mean, this is not scientific. But just to give you an example, muscle tissue is really dense. Fat kind of spreads out on your body. You know what I mean? So it's more, uh, it's more noticeable, if that makes sense, right? So uh, anyway, going back to my point, lifting weights does not make you bulky. Like you're not going to wake up looking like Andy the next day. I used to say this to my clients, you know, oh, you know, I'm worried if I go to the gym and lift weights, you're not going to wake up looking like Andy. I've been lifting weights for bloody 20 years almost now, right? And ultimately it's taken me my whole life to get this big. Ladies, even if you took a bunch of steroids, I'm just going to be straight with you. You're not going to gain that much. I mean, even if you took a bunch of steroids, yeah, you might start looking like manly, right? Depending on your genetics. But building muscle is no easy feat, right? I'm not going to recommend you take steroids, by the way, right? Please don't do that, especially ladies, right? You're playing with fire. But it just doesn't work like that. It's not going to make you bulky. When you add muscle to your body, I'm going to use all the fancy words now, right? Because ladies, you love this, don't you? Guys, I mean, we don't really care. We're just like, I want to get stacked. You're going to look more sculpted, toned. That's a, that's a nice word, that one, isn't it, for marketing. You know what I mean? They've, they've, they've made billions off that word. We're going to have you looking more toned and sculpted and tighter. Bottom line is, when you add muscle to your body, as long as you're not eating like an asshole, like I say, right, and you're dialing in that nutrition a bit, you're going to look better even if your body fat doesn't change. If your body fat stays the same and you add muscle to your body, you're going to look better. You are not going to look bulky. It does not work like that. Get that out of your head. If you're worried about getting bulky, then you want to look at your nutrition. And if you say you've lifted weights before and it may be too bulky, right? You are overeating calories. You're just going to say how it is and you gain too much fat because it just doesn't work like that with muscle. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand some women have lucky in my eyes. They're lucky. I'm using this as women now, but guys, this is beneficial for you as well. You know, some women, they gain fat, or they gain muscle real quick. They've got good muscle good building genetics and they're like, oh, I built muscle too quick on my upper body. And I'm like, you lucky bastard. You know what I mean? You know how many people struggle to build muscle and how hard it is to build muscle? But some, you know, you do have genetics where certain parts of your body might respond better than others. There is a genetic kind of uh, contribution, uh, contribution there. Uh, but ultimately, lifting weights doesn't make you bulky. Just to wrap that up, right? Uh, I hope that kind of made sense. Guys are listening like, I want to get bulky, mates, right? So, you know what I'm saying? But look, if you want to get bulky and you want to, you know, guys' testosterone levels are drastically higher than women's, right? So just to give you an example, I did some research lately, right? And basically, a, a guy's sex drive, for example, right? Because obviously, testosterone, sex drive. It, a woman's sex drive, on average, is something like 7% of a guy's sex drive, <laughs> right? So it goes to show how much testosterone, more, much more testosterone. So we're more likely to get bulky, depending on our genetics. But, you know, females, it just doesn't work like that. All right. So number four, I'm going to get through these a bit quicker now, so I can open up a Q&A. Uh, number four, sleeping for seven to eight hours is ideal for sleep. Right? That's what people say. If you sleep to seven to eight hours, sleep seven to eight hours, then perfect. Doesn't work like that. It's quality of your sleep. Okay. So seven to eight hours. I personally I track my sleep using an aura ring. I only need if I get seven hours, that's optimal for me. If I'm asleep for seven hours, I'm always in bed for eight hours, but you wake up without realizing. So I'm awake for an hour on average each night, right? You won't realize that until you track, by the way. Long story short, if I get six and a half hours sleep, like last night, six and a half hours, I'm on form, right? Seven hours probably a little bit more on form. Any more than that, I just don't need. It's simple. Everyone's different. Ultimately, the quality of your sleep is going to be the most important thing. So, you know, seven to eight hours, perfect. Or seven to nine hours, you can say for the average person. But if you're sleeping like shit, you might be in bed for eight hours. But if your sleep quality is poor, that's going to have a massive detrimental effect, right? So, you know, I'm not going to go too much down the rabbit hole of how to improve sleep and all because we'll be here. We'll be here all day. 
But that's why I recommend people track their sleep. For example, I use the Aura Ring uh, and that's been a game changer for me. So, so having some sort of tracking tool is going to help. So you're aware of it. But ultimately, you know when you've slept like shit, right? You wake up basically with no energy. And ultimately, even one night's poor sleep, my friend, right, has been proven to make us increase our calories the next day on average by 440 calories. Sorry, being sleep deprived, not necessarily one night's poor sleep, but being sleep deprived. It could even be one night. Increase calories by 440 calories the next day. That's the impact it has on our hormones and stuff like that, right? Because leptin, for example, leptin is a hormone that tells us we're satiated. It sends a signal from the gut to the brain once we've eaten to tell us that we're full. Leptin levels can be significantly lower even after one night's poor sleep. And ghrelin, which is known as the hunger hormone, tells us when to eat, basically can be way higher even after one night's poor sleep, right? So, but just to wrap that up, sleeping for seven to eight hours is ideal for sleep. Not necessarily everyone's different and sleep quality is more important than quantity. And this has been proven time and time again. But even if you're getting the best quality sleep in the world, if you're not getting more than six hours, generally, uh, there's going to be negative, negative issues there, right? So um, boom, 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 boom. Matt, if you can save that question for the end, right? So I'm going to get through these myths. Um, if you can ask me that again at the end, mates, I'll, I'll come back to that at the end, Matt. Uh, last three myths anyway, real quick, real quick. Eggs and red meat. Eggs, uh, high cholesterol and eggs cause uh, heart disease. And red meat causes heart disease and stomach cancer. Now, I'm not a doctor, so disclaimer here, I'm not a doctor, you know, I'm, I'm a coach, right? But ultimately, there's no, um, like, for example, interventional studies or anything like that to prove any of this, right? The bottom line is red meat, if you eat good quality red meat, right? Like I eat a ton, I eat like a kilo of, of beef a day, right? I know the average person is not going to do that. I feel phenomenal. You know, if you're eating grass-fed, grass-finished, if you're eating a lot of beef, grass-fed, grass-finished is going to be way better than normal steak. If you get a normal steak, for example, that's going to be grain-fed, for example, yeah? And grain-fed, if you are having every now and then, it's not going to make a difference. But I would say if you're eating a lot of grain-fed meat, I think the ratios, it does make a big difference. Grass-fed on average, grass-fed, grass-finished beef, I think the ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s was like three to one. So three on average, three times as much omega-6 as omega-3. Whereas in grain-fed, I think it averaged 17 to one, right? And this is the problem. Like a lot of people in westernized countries, they eat too many kind of um, uh, vegetable oils and stuff like that and processed foods, which contain uh, these types of uh, fats. And when your omega-6 is way out of balance, you have way more omega-6 than threes. Uh, that's been proven to be a bit of a problem. But ultimately... None of that really matters. If you're overeating calories, that's the worst thing. Like I said on the first point, overeating calories makes things worse then, right? So if you're having too much saturated fat from processed foods, which are making you overeat, that's when it becomes a problem. But yeah, so there's a difference between grass-fed and grain-fed. Long story short, eggs and red meats are basically the most nutrient-dense foods you can eat next to beef liver, right? They're the most nutrient-dense foods you can eat. They've got like a ton of micronutrients, a great balance of amino acids and proteins, fantastic balance of essential fats, right? So remember, protein and fats, you would get nasty deficiencies and basically be in a really bad way if you had a deficiency in, in certain proteins and fats. Carbs, you can live without. Not saying it's optimal for people to, to live without carbohydrates, uh, but you can survive without carbs, right? You can live without them. You don't need them to survive. I'm not saying that's ideal to thrive. That's different. But protein and fats, you get nasty illnesses and protein uh, and, and nutrient deficiencies over time if you were to not get enough of those essential proteins and fats in. You know what I mean? So long story short, eggs and red meat, there's no, uh, they're all correlation. They're all, um, what's the word, bloody conventional studies, right? None of them add up. So ultimately, they look at the general population. By the way, the average person's overweight. They, didn't, they don't say it's contextual. They don't take any things into account. Do the person smoke? Do they drink alcohol? Are they getting good sleep? Are they exercising? They just go, right, okay, these people have red meat in their diet. You can guarantee these people, most people, the average person 
is not fucking eating. Sorry about the language. Uh, I told you it was going to be a bit of a rant. Grass-fed, grass-finished beef, right? They are going to be eating, the average person, burgers from McDonald's, kebabs. Let's just be honest. Let's be real, right? You know what I'm saying? So there's lots of context to that argument. They've never teased it out. And the bottom line is, eat as many eggs as you can. Go for your life on red meat. If you're eating a lot of it, eat grass-fed, grass-finished ideally, right? Because it will make a difference. And not to mention when you're having grain-fed meat as well. Obviously, the cow is going to be, you know, fatter, basically. And also, you know, they spray, sometimes spray the grains, the grains with pesticides and whatnot, right? So you're going to be consuming more toxins ultimately, right, as well. But if you're having a little bit here and there, no, I don't think it's going to make a difference. But ultimately, if you can choose to do this, then get grass-fed, you know what I mean? If you're going to eat a lot of it. So eggs and re- red, red meat does not directly cause heart disease, right? I'm not a doctor, but I mean, there's no, there's no causation studies at all. It's all correlation. So go for your life on those things. Number six is salt causes high blood pressure and loads of different issues. Again, there's a lot of context to these arguments. And I want to say a disclaimer again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but ultimately uh, sodium, which is uh, the compound found in salt, is an essential nutrient, right? Again, you'd die without it and get nasty issues if you didn't have enough salt. Now, if you're eating a lot of high, uh, highly processed foods, right? When you go out and eat in a restaurant, for example, or you're eating a lot of ultra processed foods, those foods contain way more salt, right? Let's say you go to a restaurant and have a meal the likelihood is you're going to have like five to six times the amount of salt in that meal, right? But if you're cooking your meals yourself and you're eating all whole foods like I do and like most of my clients do, right? Ultimately, you want to be adding salt to those meals like pink Himalayan salt or Celtic salt, for example, because for example, pink Himalayan salt has like 60 to 80 different trace minerals in it as well. So it's not just the sodium you're getting, it's all the other minerals that you're getting from it as well, right? Uh, Not to mention, you know, hydration and all those kind of things. Well, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but ultimately... Uh, if you're not eating loads of highly, if you're eating loads of highly processed foods, you're probably having enough salt, although you're not having the right type because that's going to be like sodium chloride, which has been stripped of all the other stuff. If you're having pink Himalayan salt, you're going to get more nutrients out of it, trace minerals and whatnot, right? But if you're having loads of processed foods, you're eating out all the time, you're probably having enough salt. If you're eating a lot of whole foods, it's very common for people who eat mainly whole foods, right? Single ingredient foods, good quality foods to actually get a sodium deficiency. So I would say salt is good. But there's context. If you're eating too much of it, having too much of anything cannot be ideal, right? Straightforward. But don't fear salt. Number seven, right? Last one. No pain, no gain. How many times do you hear people say that with training, right? No days off, you know? And lots of people say this as well. Oh, you know, I wasn't aching. I have clients say this every now and then. Uh, like new clients, for example. They're like, oh, you know, I wasn't really aching the next day. Like, am I doing enough? I feel like I can do more. And don't get me wrong. There's a place sometimes to push harder. Um, but ultimately, people judge their workout, right, and their progress on, you know, how sore am I the next day, right? And that's a terrible, yeah, re- sorry, uh, going back to the salt thing before I, uh, Carissa was saying real Redmond salt. That's the one I ordered from America, actually. I need to get some more of that. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking when I was saying it then, pink Himalayan has been found to have more microplastics in it. So I need to order that real Redmond salt one as well. Uh, but ultimately, for the average person listening to this, you haven't got to worry about uh, real Redmond salt for the average person. 95% of you listening to this. Uh, just cut out processed foods and add some pink Himalayan salt or some electrolytes, for example, right, to your intake. But again, it really depends. Uh, but going back to what I was saying about training, so people say to me, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm working hard enough. The reality is that's a terrible way to look at a good workout, right? How sore am I the next day? There's so many other metrics to pay attention to, right? So am I getting strong? You know, am I getting stronger, basically? Like, for example, you should feel like once you've lifted weights and done a workout, you should feel like you've done something the next day, right? Sometimes. Sometimes you won't, to be honest, as you get stronger. But you feel like you've done something the next day. You might be a little bit sore, you know, for a day or two, for example, especially if it's a new workout. 
But if you're aching for longer than like a day or two and you're really sore, you've overdone it. And what's happening then is your body's going to be prioritizing that recovery process over actually adapting. When your body adapts, what it does is it by adapting it, it builds muscle, it gets stronger. And that's what you want. You want your body to adapt to the stimulus and actually get your body to respond and get stronger and everything else. But if it's gonna, if it's pushing it too hard, it's gonna take longer to adapt and it's gonna prioritize that recovery, right? So no pain, no pain, bullshit, right? There's a place to push hard, right? And there is a place to have a little bit of pain and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you should be cruising for your workouts. There's a place for intensity. Uh, but what I find with most people generally is moderate intensity on average, right? As I say, there's always exceptions to the rule and there's lots of variables from person to person. And all the stuff I say here, ladies and gents, by the way, I'm, I'm talking in generalizations. I can't talk to each individual person. It's impossible for me to do that, right? I do that with my coaching program, right? But it's, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. So what was I saying then? So, you know, moderate intensity with training, for example, consistently gets better results. And that's my, trans my, my transition as well over the last kind of, I used to be the guy who would like hammer my body in the gym. And I actually believe, bought into that. No pain, no gain, no days off. I would be aching for fucking three days after each workout. Uh, and I was still in good shape. Don't get me wrong. I was in fantastic shape, but I'm in much better shape now, right? Because I train at a moderate intensity. I do the full body like two, three times a week. And then I do my stuff at home. And basically I get better results, right? Because I'm training, the, training my body appropriately. That's the word here. Training appropriately based on what your goals are, right? So it's not all about no pain, no gain. Like I say to clients as well, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, I didn't get a sweat on. I haven't worked hard enough. That's a problem for most people. And the thing is, I don't blame people for thinking like this because when you go online, you see all this bullshit online about, you know, you got to be sweating. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God, I couldn't walk after that workout. I was calling out the gym and it's almost like cool. But it's like, all right, if you enjoy doing that, fantastic. If you actually want to get results though, and you want to improve the way your body looks, you want longevity, because I want to be lifting weights to the day I die. And I say this to clients, I will be lifting weights to the day I die, you know, fingers crossed. Then, you know, you got to do it the smart way, right? You, you got to train smart. There's a place for training hard. So no pain, no gain, bullshit. There's a place to be in pain every now and then push yourself. And there's high intensity training I do with clients. Don't get me wrong, but we build them up to that level. It really depends on the person, you know, train smart, lift weights, probably at a moderate to a moderate intensity, more frequently hit your body parts two to three times a week instead of hammering one body part one day, like chest, hammering legs the next day. You know, you want to hit every body part at least two to three times a week. That's why majority of people are going to benefit more from either A, doing say three, four body sessions a week, depending on how many times you get to the gym consistently, three, four body sessions a week, or B, doing a push-pull split where they're doing, you know, if, you, if you're the person who likes to go to the gym pretty much every day, then maybe a push-pull kind of split will be better for you where you're doing like four, five to six push-pull split kind of, you know, like legs one day, you know, push the other day, pull the other day, and then repeat legs, a different session, push, pull. So that's like six sessions, for example, um, be hitting every body part twice in a week rather than just once, right? Because remember, one more thing on this topic. Now, I'm giving away so much, so many gems here. The muscle building signal, like I said at the start, the muscle building signal dies off after about two to three days, right? So if you train your chest on a Monday, then you don't train it again until the following Monday, the muscle building signals died off for half the week. So you're just not going to get as good results. Simple as that. Right. I'm going to wrap that up there now with the myths. I wanted to elaborate on each one. I could probably do a separate podcast for each one of these topics. I do have some questions from the audience I was going to answer, but I'll probably save that for next time. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I've got about another five minutes. Uh, I'm going to go through some questions now real quick. If anyone's got any questions, hit me now. Now's your time. Go like, go for your life. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a maximum of 10 minutes, right? Cause I'm good like that. So if you're listening back to the podcast, stay tuned. Cause there's probably going to be some valuable uh, questions here now. 
boom, boom, boom. Have I missed anything here? What have I got here? Matt, I'm trying to be lean muscled. What do you recommend? I need a little bit more context on that, buddy, um, but I can try and answer that. Uh, I want to be lean muscled. So you mean you want you want to be lean with muscle, I guess? Ultimately, it goes back to what I was saying. It's going to be making sure that you're having consistently having high protein, you know, and it depends on what, you know, where you're at and stuff like that. But let's just say two grams of protein uh, per kilo of your body weight minimum, right? Or if you do pounds, you're in America, right? So let's just say uh, a, a gram per pound of your body weight. Let's say you weigh 150 pounds. If you can aim to consistently eat 150 grams of protein every day, uh, coming from real foods, ideally, uh, not protein bars and shit like that, because you're just going to want to eat more. Generally, whole foods, you know, meats, basically, and eggs. Have the old protein shake if you're struggling. Uh, then you want to do a follow a proper training program, which again is appropriate for you, which is personalized to your goals based on your training history. There's a lot that goes into this, ladies and gents. If you want to get maximum results and you want to get maximum results for the time you're putting in, a bunch of random fucking workouts or going to the gym and freestyling is not going to cut it. I'm just going to be straight with you. So a proper training program, high protein, basically going back to what I was saying, making sure that you're not, you know, you're minimizing highly processed foods, which are designed to make you overeat and you're not overeating. Basically, if you're overeating calories and you're constantly in a calorie surplus, ultimately you're just going to gain too much fat uh, and you're never going to be lean. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, but obviously it's very hard to give you a specific answer because I don't know anywhere near enough about you. I hope that was helpful, Matt, anyway. Uh, Trainer-wise, going back to what I was just saying on the last point, my man, hitting every body part two to three times a week. So maybe three, four body gym sessions in the week. Phase your training as well. So you want to be switching up the stimulus, say every four to six weeks, you want to be doing a different rep range. So you might want to do four to six weeks of, you know, one to six reps, focusing on strength. And then say four to six weeks or three to six weeks of uh, eight as well rep range, maybe slowing down your reps. This is just examples. And then maybe three to six weeks of perhaps the 12 to 30 rep range with a lighter weight and 30 seconds rest or supersets or something like that. So you want to be, Switching up that stimulus, uh, you want to be making sure you're getting the intensity right with your training. Going back to what I was saying then about no pain, no gain. It's not all about being in pain. It's about being smart and doing doing it properly and following a proper training program. And you just want to be consistent, man. And that's where most people come undone. Ultimately, the fucking worst program done in the world, the shittest program. I'm not going to name any names. There's a lot out there, right? I'm having a right old rant today. I'm enjoying this. Getting some shit off my chest is going to be, you know, the, the worst program in the world is going to get you better, like done consistently is going to get you likely better, well, definitely going to get you better results than the best world-class coaching program in the world done inconsistently. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. You know what I mean? So hope that answered that question. Plenty of movement as well though, Matt, right? You're going to make sure you're moving enough as well, right? So you're getting enough steps in if you want to stay lean. Otherwise you're kind of final losing, losing battle because that's another thing with movement as well. It's like we got more food available to us than any other time in human history right? It's, it's harder than ever not to overeat, right? You've got more processed food. It's almost not fair. I was saying this to Janini the other day. It's almost not fucking fair, right? That we've got all this. I mean, I'm good because I've overcome all those issues, right? But for the most people, you've got those highly processed foods, which you, you enjoy eating, right? It's, it's the highly palatable foods, which make you overeat. They're not designed to be, to be eaten in moderation, like I said before. And you're trying to moderate those foods. But you know, deep down, if you keep in biscuits, cakes, crisps, those things in the house, for example, you're going to eat them at some point. It's just inevitable, right? And you're going to overeat. So that's why you've got to mitigate damage. How do I mitigate damage You know, when I'm going to be having all this stuff available to me? Right, I need to move more. Okay, so if I can do more steps, that's almost like a compensate for that because you're going to burn thousands more calories over the space of the week just by doing an extra 20-minute walk a day, for example, right, consistently. 
And then the, the biggest insurance policy, I always say this to people, the best insurance policy you can have against life and all this food that's available. You can fucking get a McDonald's from your couch. Like, what's this will come to? You don't even have to, you don't even have to walk to your car, right? And go to the drive-thru. At least you'd be walking and getting, you know, a hundred steps in. I guess it's better than nothing, right? You don't even have to walk to your car and go to the drive-thru. You can lie on your couch and order a McDonald's, right? If that's not fighting a losing battle, I don't know what is, right? But going back to what I was saying, right? The best insurance policy against all this is going to be going back to what I was saying with strength training. Lifting weights costs your body calories. Uh, sorry, not lifting weights. Adding muscle to your body is going to co- It's expensive. It's a good analogy I like to use. Adding muscle to your body is expensive, and it's going to cost your body a lot of calories to keep that muscle tissue on your body, right? So ultimately, it's like an insurance policy. Adding muscle to your body, right? And actually getting stronger and eating high protein because eating more protein speeds your metabolism up as well, right? So it's like an insurance policy because you can get away with more calories. Unlike walking, where you have to burn the calories manually, right? You're manually burning those calories because you have to get out there and do it. With lifting weights, going back to what I said at the start, you're automatically burning more calories, right? So like for me, I've been doing this for a long time, right? Lifting weights for almost two decades, like I said. Makes me sound old now, doesn't it? Jesus Christ, I'm 35, started lifting weights when I was 17, 16, 17, consistently. Consistent since I've been 17, 18, consistently. Um, more, yeah, when I turned 18, I think I was consistent. I've never missed a week since I was 18, I think. I think I missed two weeks from the age of 17 of, of, of weight training, something like that anyway. Maybe maybe a bit more now because now I don't need to do as much. But anyway, uh, long story short, before I waffle on too much and rant away, I can't get enough calories in. That's the struggle I face now. And I've got some clients at that point where they cannot get enough food in without losing fat. How great is that? How great is that? Let's be honest. Isn't that the best problem to have in the world, ladies and gents, right? Um, so look at it like an insurance policy. So anyway, that was a bit of a rant as well. So uh, boom. All right, I'm going to hang about. I don't want this to drag out for too long on the podcast because I've noticed the sweet spot is 45 minutes. Any longer than 45 minutes and people just... They're just like, fuck that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna dedicate more than 45 minutes. I'm going on TikTok watching nine second videos, and you expect me to you expect me to listen to a podcast for longer than 45 minutes. Get out of here. All right. Any more questions? I'm gonna give you a few more minutes, ladies and gents. So I've got a couple of couple of minutes. Now's your time. I mean, you've got a, a world-class coach in front of you. And if you don't ask questions, uh, you don't get any answers, right? So okay, let me just um let's have a look who is in the who is in the chat. Boom, boom, boom. Make sure I haven't missed anything. Nah, all good. Any more questions? No more questions. Well, I am going to stop the pod then anyway. I'm going to hang about anyway for another 